Welcome to Me Time, the podcast for women in midlife who've been taking care of everyone else and now say, it's my turn to take care of me. I'm Kim Aceto, health and self-care coach for women in midlife and your host. Thank you for spending your precious me time with me right now. Enjoy the show. Okay, so today I'm here with Leslie Tolan. Let me tell you about Leslie. Leslie J. Tolan is a heart-driven entrepreneur and the owner of Healing Hearts International. Trained and certified by the Grief Recovery Institute, Leslie is an advanced grief recovery method specialist. The Grief Recovery Method is a 40-year-old structured and action-based eight-week program offering a step-by-step method for moving beyond pain and significant loss. The success of the grief recovery method is evidence-based from studies at Kent State University's College of Public Health. The grief recovery method, or GRM, uh, is facilitated across the United States and internationally in the UK, Australia, New Zealand, Mexico, Honduras, and Scandinavia. With a master's degree in counseling psychology, Leslie has 24 years of service in the healing arts. 4,500 clinical family hours and 12 years of hospice service, both as a social worker and as a manager of volunteer services. Leslie collaborated with the Dream Foundation of Santa Barbara to turn dying dreams into lasting memories for her patients and their families. In her clinical work, Leslie interned at CSUN's Strength United Agency, which provided supportive in-home counseling services to parents and children through the Department of Children and Family Services. Leslie continued her internship at the Parent and Relationship Counseling Foundation in Granada Hills, which offers parents, children, couples, and individuals relationship workshops and one-on-one improved communication skills. With decades of recovery from an eating disorder, Leslie worked on on staff at a 90-day residential treatment care center for adult women with drug, alcohol, and eating disorders addiction. As an advanced specialist, Leslie can now offer her eight-week course virtually by Zoom, both nationally and internationally. Leslie Tolan, welcome to the Me Time Midlife Podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kim. Oh my goodness. I haven't heard that read in so long. <laughs> <laughs> right. But wow, what, um, uh, what accomplishments you have under your belt. Um, you know, it's, it's really amazing, um, how you've spent your life and, and your education and where you put your experience and where your heart is. I, I really appreciate how you've, you've put all that together to help so many people, Leslie. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kim. I so appreciate that. I remember that my late mama used to say that when I was six years young, I had my friends calling me for counsel. (laughs) Right. I can definitely see that. Yes. I love it. So Leslie, as a first time guest, I'm going to ask you the first question I ask every first time guest, which is what do you enjoy doing during your me time? I like that question so very much. And I am happy to share that as a youthful senior woman, I am a hot yoga devotee. And (laughs) so Bikram yoga, 26 postures in a room of 100 degrees of heat is a passion for me. And in fact, Kim, I don't think I share this with you uh, when we talked initially. During the pandemic, my 
a teacher and studio owner and I practiced every day together privately for one year. And wow. at the end of that year, we looked at each other and smiled and hugged each other and said, this was awesome and never again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow, what a commitment. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so it was such an isolating time for all of sure. us across the nation and the globe. So doing that was really special. And so that's what I love for my me time, as well as I am blessed to have two great nephews in my life who are now 10 years old and one feisty great niece who's nine and spending time with them is a joy. And my husband has a daughter whose little children are five and two and having the time to be with them anytime I can, is always a joy. So Yes, I love that. I am not a mom in this life. Mm -hmm. However, being around children is really, really special when I can. And so, yes, that's been a joy always. And we have two Australian shepherds, Ken. One is 11, our girl Nova, and our boy Kino is nine. And they are feisty and wonderful and loving. So we keep busy with them as well. Nice. Right. Well, you have your hands full, huh? Yes, I do. Lots of of little critters around. (laughs) Yes, I do. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, Leslie, as a grief expert, I have so many questions for you. So hopefully we can get through all my questions, but we'll see how we do today. We can always have you back, right? Yes. Um, But uh, let's just kind of start with just the basic question that I have. You know, how would you define or describe grief? Okay. And then maybe also how would a person know if they're grieving? Such good questions to start with, Kim. Thank you for those, both of those. I am really a, um, I have such deep appreciation for John James, the founder, the beloved late founder, John just passed about a month and a half ago of the grief recovery method. And in his work to find definitions of grief, what he taught me that has been so educational and splendid for understanding it as best as ever in my life I have are these several definitions. Grief is the normal and natural reaction to loss of any kind. However, in our Western culture, many times what we do about it in our nation is not normal and not healthy and not natural. Grief can also be the conflicting mass of emotions that we feel when anything familiar changes, including something that's happy, Kim, like making a commitment to a partner and loving being with him or her, and then being together for some time and realizing in private thoughts, oh, I love him or her so much, and I miss my little condo on my own. (laughs) <laughs> it's like the front of the hand right. and the back of the hand, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, grief can be conflicting feelings, as I said, and it can also be reaching out for someone who's always been there for us. And when we need him or her one more time, they're no longer there. Mm-hmm. Or the flip side of that is reaching out for someone who ought to have been there for us, maybe an alcoholic parent or a drug addicted parent or someone who is supposed to be a stand for us in our youth. And yet by by what they were walking through, they could not and wanting them to be there for us one more time. And when we want them, they're still unable to be there for us. 
So those are some of the definitions of grief that are uh, special to me and that have been very educational for my clients. And, and then you asked, how would one know if, we're, if they're grieving? Mm-hmm. I so appreciate that question, Kim, because when we look at our lives as especially exacerbated by the last 20 months that we have walked through together across the nation and the globe in isolation from the pandemic. Some of the, I'm sorry for the zoo in the background. No, you already (laughs) explained it. So no problem. We know who's back there. Some of the consequences of grief and loss are that we would feel joyless. We would feel Mm -hmm. hopeless, maybe unable to focus or concentrate at work. Maybe our memory might be afflicted and we keep forgetting things that normally would be right in front of us. Maybe what so is we notice that we're not being playful any longer. We're not being spontaneous. We're just not feeling like ourselves. And perhaps we might have had our sleeping habits affected badly and be sleeping all the time because we're depressed and sad and we don't know how to deal and so we sleep. Those are some of the effects of grief. Right. Right. Wow. Very, very interesting. Um, and you and I, we talked just for a minute before we started here. Um, and we, I said something about grieving is inevitable, right? We all experience grief. It's one of the things that we all experience in our lives. And, um, actually it kind of leads to my next question, because I think I read on your website or somewhere, um, about you that, that you said that there are 40 types of loss that one can experience in their lifetime. And the most obvious ones that come to mind are maybe death or divorce, but what are some other, uh, types of loss that, um, we don't realize and, and maybe especially for women in midlife, yes. what would you say, Leslie? Yes. I would say that there are many that we as women can experience in midlife and that, some of them. And sometimes when I am presenting what we're going to talk about right now, Kim, to a group of say attorneys, or I'm presenting to a group of uh, marriage and family therapists or licensed clinical social workers or whomever, I will ask, what do you think in Western culture is the single most off-limits topic of conversation? And that's what they'll say, death, divorce, and no one will ever guess grief. It is grief because in our fast paced Western culture, we sweep grief under the carpet. We don't know how to deal with it. Our parents weren't trained in how to deal with it. And many of their parents were immigrants who could not even spell the word feeling. So the issue with losses, which are so many, sometimes will show up for women in this way. If we are dismissed from work, there's a loss. If we have a change in living conditions or a change in our eating habits, or if we're walking through menopause, or if we have had the the misfortune of having a a, a stillbirth or a a miscarriage or an abortion or any of the feminine issues that we can face, many times we carry this inside and don't talk openly about it. And it needs to be discussed with someone who can give us support. Maybe we might have endured in a relationship that's past, hopefully past, emotional or physical or sexual abuse. Maybe we have or are going through the uh, 
addition of a new family member. Maybe we are going back to school in midlife. I went back for my mm -hmm. master's when I was in my early 40s. Mm -hmm. And just going back to school is a major adjustment. And maybe we are having trouble with our boss or our in-laws. Oh, my goodness. Whenever I am talking <laughs> with a group, there will be major laughter in the room when right. I talk about in-laws. Yeah. And so... What about retirement? Maybe some of your good listeners are walking through 20 years of something that was meaningful at the time and are saying, you know what, Kim, help me. I need something else. That change in a avenue of work can be very um, difficult to walk through at times. And it feels like a loss. What if we're taking on a minor or a major mortgage in midlife? That can be very challenging as well. So those are just some of the many 40 plus reasons mm -hmm. that we can grieve. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. And so many of those things just happen in our lifetime. I mean, wow. I, I never thought about it like that. Um, yeah. Interesting. When, when I am speaking with the group, I so appreciate what you just said, Kim, because when I am speaking with a group, I will say, all right, you don't have to raise your hands. Just count on your fingers mm -hmm. how many of these you've experienced. And mm -hmm. at the end of speaking of them all, I will say, okay, how many had five? How many 10? How mm -hmm. many 15 and 20? And many had more than 20. And mm -hmm. we don't think of these changes right. as grieving issues, but they are because change is something that we as human beings have in common. We don't mm -hmm. like it. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I understand that. And it's hard. I mean, in my line of work as well as a health and wellness coach, you know, making those changes and, and the losses. And I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really thinking about that right now as, as far as when, when you're talking. Um, so it's really interesting. Now, Leslie, what about the pandemic? Here we are, you know, two years into the pandemic. So when it comes to grief and loss, what have you seen um, that's been different or has stood out to you during the pandemic when it comes to the work that you do? It's such a valuable question, Kim. And actually the response is tragic because I am certain that each of your listeners during the last 20 months has experienced the loss of someone they've known or loved or have had even a difficult relationship with mm -hmm. who's passed or they're no longer in their life or however that has shown up for each of us. The suicide rate from the CDC, the stats are horrifying in the last year, especially the statistics of suicide statistics of suicide are up 30 to 35%. It's frightening because there has been such an increase in isolation. One of the myths of grieving is grieving alone. Sometimes we've been trained by others in our family to, if you're going to cry, go to your room and cry alone. It's mm -hmm. just crazy that that's part of our culture and the fabric in our culture. And the isolation of the last year and a half has been a tidal wave of isolating incidents for everyone I know. And so that has been a really difficult result in the suicide rates. In the United States, Kim, in the last 12 months, there have been 100,000 deaths from overdose in the mm -hmm. last 12 months. Yeah, I just had a therapist, close friend of mine, call me 
two weeks ago to tell me that her youngest boy overdosed and my heart is so broken for her. And it is just repeated statistics about these types of losses because what we're going through is an unprecedented time and learning to deal with it with a healthy response is taking time. Yeah, I mean, even here in British Columbia, where I live in Vancouver, um, nearly six people a day die of an overdose. And um, a lot of times, you, you know, you talk about being alone. Uh, during COVID, you know, we were told to self isolate and to, you know, not be around other people. And so people were using drugs and dying alone. Um, there was no one there to, to help them. And um, it's just, and, and also, you know, our it's a whole other topic, but our drug supply is completely poisoned. And um, yes, yes, it is. Know, and, and that was due to the pan pandemic as well. I mean, it was always, you know, poisoned because of the black market and all of that. But, um, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really, really sad. Um, and the loss of a, of a young child, you know, usually to um, overdoses is, is very tragic as well. It's so, so it's tragic. Yes, I, right. I, I concur. Yeah. Now, I'm interested in this here. So, and I have, I have, I really don't have any idea. So I'm hoping you can really enlighten me. What would be the difference between, let's say, grief therapy and grief coaching? And how would someone know which one they might need? Can you explain that a little bit? Sure, I can touch on it. And sure. because we're in limited time, because that's a wonderful question, and it can have a very lengthy response. So I will keep it in headlines. So the, <laughs> the grief uh, therapy question is excellent. A therapist, for instance, when you introduce me, I have been trained as a psychotherapist and I have many hours of clinical experience. Why I chose Kim way back to be separate from becoming licensed in California is I wanted to work across states with my niche in grief and loss, being certified and trained by the Grief Recovery Institute. If, although I'm trained as a psychotherapist, I work with my headline of specialist as a grief advanced specialist, meaning I'm authorized to work virtually across the nation and internationally. A therapist who is certified, trained, and licensed in his or her state, wherever that state is, is able to function within that state. If they have a client who moves from Los Angeles, where I'm at, to Crazy Woman, Wyoming, Unless that therapist is licensed in, in Wyoming, they can't practice there. So a therapist would be someone whom a client might seek out so that they could bill insurance because the therapist in any state is able to do that with their credentials. And they would meet with that therapist and the therapist would look and talk with the client through a lens of looking at their family dynamics, their history, the problem that is being presented. And they would then, the therapist I'm speaking of, would go to their DSM, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And in order to bill insurance, the therapist needs to create a plan for that client treatment plan and bill through insurance and have a diagnosis for that client. When someone 
and, and that therapist has a higher degree. Academically speaking, they have a master's degree or they have perhaps a PhD degree. A coach, on the other hand, is someone who doesn't necessarily have a higher degree, and they can, and they've been certified and trained perhaps through their institute of certification, and they co-create whatever is the issue with that client, and the client can choose do they want to be with a coach who largely does not bill insurance, or do they want to be with a therapist? And largely their choice is going to be made, I am guessing, by how they feel in the presence of that person. Because having someone know your inner heart and your desires and your sense of who you are and where you want to go, the relationship between you and either the coach or specialist as I am, or the therapist is the most important part. And if the client wants to only bill through insurance, then coaching probably isn't the way to go. And many times the coach or specialist, as I am, can work with a client on creating a uh, financial plan that works and work that out together. However, largely they're not billing through insurance. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So coaching or, or um, a specialist is a little more nimble. They're able to kind of work with, with clients in a different way, but they cannot bill um, their insurance. Unless, as, Kim, it's such uh -huh. a great point. Unless, supposing that the therapist has also been trained after she, he has their license to practice therapy in whatever state, and they go back to become a coach and take some other certification to become a coach they can work mm -hmm. both as a coach and a therapist. Right. Why I, my specialty is so ideal for me is because of all the multiple losses of my long lifetime. And I am so happy to work in this niche in which I work creatively. And many times therapists in my area will call me and say, hey, Les, you know what? Uh, grief and loss is not my specialty. Can you work with this client for seven, eight weeks? And then the, he or she will return to me and we'll work on the other issues that we have been working on together. And mm -hmm. that's what I will do. Right. So right. I stay in my lane and I am proud to tell you that witnessing transformation from grieving to thriving is my specialty. And I just really am passionate about it. Mm -hmm. I will say too that um, I have had a few clients work concurrently with me as a coach and with their therapist as well, and it can work really well. It can be a really great uh, complement to one another. Um, and I will also say that I think that coaching should be covered by insurance, and I do not know why it is not. And maybe part of it is because coaching is not regulated, so anybody exactly. can call themselves a coach. Yes, but. Um, you know, people like you and I, who've gone through the extensive work and uh, certification process and, and all of that, um, we kind of get lumped into, you know, anybody who calls themselves a coach. And um, I think that's one of the issues, but I do hope that someday coaching is covered by insurance because is it is so important. I could um, not concur with you more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, Miss Kim. I'm with you. Yes. Great. Great. Um, well, it looks like we have time for one more question that I have, which I'm so happy that we do, because um, I want you to speak to the uh, woman listening uh, today who may be experiencing grief and loss. Um, I, I like to provide 
like some, you know, some action steps or just something that, that the person listening can do uh, to move forward, to do something today um, after listening to uh, this episode. So what would you say to the woman listening who is experiencing that grief and loss? What can she start doing immediately? I so appreciate that question. And that is so sensitive, Kim. And I would say to any of your listeners who are hearing our conversation that I would support you to be able to just look in your heart and acknowledge that something feels not okay with living every day and however that discomfort is and to support you with all that I can to have the courage and just asking for help. However that shows up, if it's having a consultation with a specialist um, as I am to just feel comfortable and talking about what's going on or to uh, perhaps just look at a website uh, in my particular uh, space on my website, there are beautiful articles and ebooks that you can download as a compliment so that you can just read about some of the myths about grief to just educate yourself and be more clear of what you're experiencing. Or there are some podcasts that are on my website where you can hear more discussions about grief and loss if that is a way that you love to learn is by listening and not by reading. And I would say that to have a consultation with anyone whose work draws you to just have a question mark and pursue a consultation that is complimentary without any obligation, just to engage in that conversation would be so supportive. And what immediately you can start doing if your heart is hurting right now is to just focus on your own self-love and self-compassion and self-care in whatever form that that feels right for you, whether it is today in having a massage or taking a walk or being in nature or calling a girlfriend whom you love and miss or any person in your life whom you are out of touch with and miss and just making that connection happen. Because what we so often do with grief is we isolate and we keep it inside. And the antidote to grieving, Kim, every time is participation, whether it's one-on-one -on -one with a specialist like me, or it's in a small group, or however that shows up and is right for each woman. And I would just suggest first that the self-awareness that something's not right is courageous just to know, and then just to take that first step in being good to yourself, and then asking for help in whatever form that shows up. Beautiful. I wrote a few things down here just because I like to, when I hear it, I like to write it down and, and look at it. Um, I love how you talked about focusing on self-love, self-compassion, self-care, and you also threw in there self-awareness. Yes. Um, and I think something that continues to come up as you're speaking is, is to ask for help. Do not go through this in isolation. No. That is, that is really important. You also mentioned um, consultations. Do you offer consultations? Leslie? Yes. Yes. Okay. It's my, it's my joy. Yeah, all any listener, if you are 
uh, hearing something from me that touches your heart and you want to have a conversation without any obligation, ladies, to making a decision, just to finding out more about what this work that I teach, an educational program with action steps, is about on my website are contact sheets on every page and just send me an email and I will respond within 24 hours and we'll set up a time to talk and see if this is a fit. If it is wonderful, if it isn't, that's fine too. I'm uh, able to give you other resources and it would be my honor to talk with you. Mm, wonderful. Great. Thank you, Leslie. Um, so Leslie, I'm going to put in our show notes, uh, your, some links so that listeners can go and learn more about you, or perhaps set up a consultation or follow you on social media. I'm going to put your website in there. You're also on LinkedIn and you're on Facebook and you're on Instagram. So I'll put those links in there, Leslie, um, for you. And, um, before we go, is there anything else that you wanted to add, um, that maybe I didn't ask? I mean, I, you have done this for so long. I know there's so much more you could talk about, but um, any last thing before we go? Yes, I would like to say that it would be an honor in the new year if we can make a time to speak again for another half an hour and just spend that half hour talking about the six myths of grief that are so prevalent in our fast-paced Western culture and talk about how they fit in each of your listeners' lives about don't feel, replace the loss, grieve alone, stay busy, be strong for others, just give it time. All of those, each of those, Kim, are myths about grieving that we hear often in our culture. And it would be a joy to talk about them in a little bit more detail. I have heard each of those. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. I, and, and let's definitely do that. Let's make a date for that. Um, I think that would be really, really valuable um, for our listeners. So thank you so much, Leslie. And um, it was a real pleasure uh, talking with you today. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. Thank you for your wonderful work. And I look forward to it. Thanks for listening. If you find the Me Time Midlife podcast valuable, please tell your friends about it. And if you haven't yet, you can also subscribe to the podcast or leave a positive rating or review, which is always greatly appreciated. If you're on Facebook, you can stay up to date with the latest episodes by following my coaching page, Transformation Wellness for Women. And finally, if you've been taking care of everyone else and now say, it's my turn to take care of me. I invite you to join our Me Time Midlife community on Facebook, where we continue the conversations we have here on the podcast. Simply go to metimemidlifepodcast.com and click on Me Time Midlife Community to learn more and join us today. It's an honor to produce this podcast for you. So thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next time.